Thanks for listening to another podcast from C3 Calgary West. Our hope is that this message will equip and inspire you in your walk with God. For more information about our church, check out our website at myc3church.ca or find us on Instagram at C3 Calgary West. Johnson, of course. So put your hands together and welcome Sean to the platform. He's got an exceptional word this morning. That's right. Come on, buddy. <laughs> Woo! Good morning, eh? Just want you guys all to know I've done my research and it is warmer on the surface of Mars. Congratulations. You officially live in an otherworldly planet of frigidness. Um, you guys been all right this weekend? You survived? Everybody got the remote starters on your cars, and you guys all good with that? I've uh, been riding around with, the, with uh, this guy with this amazing Calgarian monster truck, and the seat warmers are so nice. Who has seat warmers in your car? Just raise your hand. Yes. It's a blessing of the Lord on your life. Um, I, uh, I'm really, really excited this morning uh, to share with you guys. Um, I don't know. I, I've been processing a bit, a bit of this myself. I feel like that a lot of times we carry a greater authority to speak and share a message of which we've actually walked through. And so this morning I feel like, you know, what the Lord is having me share really has to do with uh, the season we've walked through. I don't know those of you that remember I was here in the summer, last summer, and um, it was the first time that we were evacuated from our home because of the wildfire. There was one wildfire at the time called the Car Fire, which became the largest wildfire in, I, I believe, American history, the most destructive. And it started in our town, and um, it it lasted for a very, very long time, smoke and ash, and we had... I think 1,800 homes were destroyed, uh, demolished. Um, I have like, you know, funny stories of a lot of my friends that were evacuated because the fire was coming. Some of them really sad, but then there's also some humor like Bill Johnson was evacuated and, and um, he had like three minutes, you know, they were like, th- you have three minutes and the fire is going to overtake your home, get out. And he was like frantically running around his house, didn't know what to get. And he grabbed a block of cheese in his fridge. And uh, so he got into the car with his wife, and they're driving away. And she's like, "Did you get? The, did you get our old wedding albums? Did you get this? Did you get this?" And he's like, "I just got the cheese <laughs> in the fridge." Um, but it was a really frantic time, and it was, it, you know, and it. And by the way, when I was here, that was the first of three times we were evacuated. I was really hopeful by the time I got here that it was just going to blow, you know. But then another fire started, and then another fire started, and it was just like the season of hell, you know, and uh, we had just put a pool in at our house, and we had chilled out a little bit in the summertime to hang with the kids, and our whole summer just got destroyed. We were, you know, as a family, we had to literally wear masks for three months because the smoke and the ash was so bad. It was at never seen before levels, the air quality, there was massive chunks of ash that were still falling out of the sky uh, three months after the fire started. I mean, it was just horrendous. And 
we had to evacuate mostly, not as much because the fire was coming to our house. We were still a few miles away, but it was more just the air quality and the fact that we had little kids, baby, we had an infant, and you, you just can't put masks on an infant, and he was developing a really bad, nasty cough. And so anyway, but through this season, which was the last time I was here, uh, the Lord and that and several other things that happened at the same time in our community, you know, here we are in Bethel singing, you know, the glory songs and streaming these, uh, these songs of hope and this house of hope and optimism around the world. And, the, you know, the most destructive wildfire in American history ravages our town. And those are the seasons and the moments where they are invitations to us to test the strength of our songs. Do we really mean, and I feel like as the body of Christ globally, we're, we're coming out of a season of just rhetoric and into a season of substance. Where it's not just nice Twitter slogans and, you know, Hallmark Christmas cards and feel-good phrases that we put on our bathroom uh, wall and verses, but we're, they're actually going to mean something to us. They're going to carry authority. And I know I'm a little bit of aware of the, you know, the economic stuff that's happening here and some of the political stuff that's happening here that's crazy. I mean, it just seems like things are shifting and shaking. And I want to speak into that this morning. First of all, when I went to go grab, um, when I went to go to, to grab some CDs, which are out there, they're amazing. I would highly recommend you guys pick up some and resource worship. All of the proceeds goes to, to the nations, goes to missions. But I felt like the Lord, uh, during our victory tour that we're doing right now, we just released an album uh, about a month and a half ago, Bethel Music. We sung two of the songs on the album this morning, which is pretty fun. And they're just kind of going around the world. But we titled the album Victory. Because there were songs that were really birthed in the season where we had to see a victory that we didn't possess. Going through the fires, going through several different other things. And we created this newspaper that literally has all the stories of our community. They're real stories. But this newspaper is literally only good news. Can you imagine that? A newspaper that only has good news. You guys ever heard of that before? Um, and... Um, and so everybody that comes on tour has, you know, picks up this newspaper and they get to read through the stories that created this, this album, which uh, I just found out last week is going to go number one on Billboard. Uh, you know, uh, a Christian worship album from a dinky little town in Northern California is the number one most consumed music on planet Earth. That's kind of cool. I mean, we hear these words about worship taking over the earth, and it's going viral, but it's actually really happening, you know. Um, but I want to I kick off by opening up to the book of James, and I just want to read this over you guys. I, I feel uh, massively optimistic and hopeful this morning, just like we experienced in the first service, that the Lord is going to come and release such a surge of hope and perseverance. Um, I find it that as believers, a lot of times... We have to change our theology a little bit um, and, and understand that the church historically has thrived under adverse conditions. The worse the economy gets, the more that the, there's fracturing in parliament, the, I guess the colder it gets. Let's just throw that in there. Um, why not? Uh, the more the church thrives. You cannot stop the spread of an unstoppable kingdom. 
genuinely, historically, if there's been an empire or there's been a dictator or there's been an onslaught of persecution, you're going to actually watch a video in a minute that's literally going to fry your Canadian brain with what the Lord is doing in the persecuted church. Because these stories are so commonplace now. In midst of persecution, in midst of threats, the church always is resilient. It's who we are. It's our DNA. It's our calling. And so I feel like now, you know, I want to read this James chapter 1, verse 12. And uh, if you're not under a trial or you're not under, maybe things are going really well for you, you will be under a trial. Welcome to earth. And you will face a crisis and you will step into a season where things you know, are, are rough. And, you know, I think it's even interesting, the, the Jesus model, you know, where it's like, you know, the Lord opened all of heaven and he shone down and he said, this is my son and I'm well pleased and I'm promoting him and da-da-da-da-da. It was like Jesus' promotion moment in front of everybody. And his graduation present was to go to the wilderness. Anytime there are amazing prophecies spoken over our life or there's amazing destiny or there's an unfolding of what God has for us, there is always a season of testing. Always. There's always, and not even just testing, there's usually a season of direct contradiction to the word that we've been given. And it tests the strength of what we're called to do and who we're called to be. James chapter 1, verse 12. Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial. Say perseveres. Say it like a little more happy. Perseveres under trial. Because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. There is an element of perseverance. Christians, we are not the ones that back down. We do not belong to the narrative of the world. Oil prices can tank. The, you know, the prime minister can whatever his deal is. American can do whatever their thing is. It actually doesn't matter. Our narrative does not change. We perpetually carry around with us the newspaper of the good news of the gospel that is declaring victory. And here's the thing. Some of you in here are moving into a season where this is not just going to be cheap rhetoric. You're not just going to be singing these songs and words on a screen that mean nothing. They're actually going to mean something to you. Because you're going to persevere. You're going to press on. I want to show this, this quick video. Um, we, we finished this documentary film. I'm actually not even supposed to show this to you. Pretend like you didn't see it. I mean, see it and then pretend like you didn't. Um, we, we did a, a, I brought a team from Bethel Music over with me to Iraq last year. It's been a big dream of mine to see our worship platform and our movement uh, really be infused with a heart for the nations and the DNA of, you know, going after unreached people groups and the marginalized and the persecuted and not just filling stadiums with worship, but going into war zones. And, 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 and that's always been my heart. And so I brought 15 of our staff, of our musicians, of our producers, our worship leaders to Iraq last year. Literally all of them thought they were going to die. Just classic American, you know, fear. Like, they all thought they were, like, trying to fill out their last wills. And, I mean, it just is, I'm like, guys, you're going to be fine. <laughs> like, but I brought them over with me, and our purpose was, it was to facilitate a $150,000 distribution to refugees, meeting so many of the needs that they have. Um, I'm actually going to go in two weeks. You guys can be praying for me. We're doing another, another round in two weeks there in, in Iraq. But, um, 
And so we brought a film crew and we thought we were just going to capture 20 minutes just sharing, you know, those people that gave and were a part of that. They can see how much it's actually affecting and impacting these people. But there was such a revival spirit and presence of God that fell in the refugee camps that we went to that people everywhere just starting to get saved, started to get healed. Like radical signs and wonders that I have never experienced, especially not on film, were captured. And um, they were all with the consent that these people were willing to share their story. Well, on the way to the refugee camp, we were capturing stories of people that were just in the streets, just random people. We didn't know them. We had a translator with us. Actually, we had two translators with us, ones that spoke Kurdish and one that spoke Arabic, because there's several different languages, you know, among the 3.7 million uh, uh, refugees that are in Iraq. And we caught the story of this one guy that just began to tell us unpromptedly about how Jesus had been appearing and visiting him. Right? We weren't like asking, who's a Christian? We were just asking stories. And then he began to tell us that I, he was in an ISIS prison for three years with his grandkids because they had murdered his son. And he was there in an ISIS prison. And they beat him and they tortured him. But they literally could not kill him. You guys ready for the story? This might be one of the wildest things you hear in a while. All right, roll it. It's called The Promise. Wow. <laughs> you, you watch that, you're like, I really have no problems in my life. I do not have any issues, you know. Um, the persecuted church, they, they step into a theological understanding that following Jesus means they're going to suffer. And through that suffering, their faith is refined. And, um, you know, it's amazing about this guy is I, I began to talk to him and, and, you know, his story, he, he was telling me that this, this was the third time that they actually tried to burn him alive. Like, he's saying it so nonchalant. Yeah, I mean, this, they tried three times and tried to burn me and, <laughs> and, uh, and, and, you know, I was, I was, and I was just thinking about, you know, I was thinking, I always get so convicted, right? Like, first of all, my conviction is like, you know, we think we're like the hero Western missionaries. Jesus can come to Iraq. Poof, we're here, you know. And it's like, no, God's been moving for 2,000 years in that place. We can be a part of the story, but he's moving, you know. Um, that, that's always my first conviction. But, but then it's always like, you know, the things that I complain about and whine about and that I consider to be difficult, it's like, these guys, like, this is their life. You know, no wonder their worship and their prayers are different. No wonder they live in a constant state of desperation for God to show up, you know. He had told me that this was the third time, and they, first two times they tried with a lower amount of gasoline, and he burnt, and he, you know, the fire was on him, but it wasn't enough, and they kept adding more, and by the third time they added 20 liters, which is a lot. And when the fire was on, it was all over him, all over his head, all over his body, and it was burning, but it wasn't burning his skin, and the ISIS guys got so angry that they told him just to leave. And after three years of being in prison, he left. And he escaped with his grandkids. Isn't that a crazy story? I think some of you guys are still in shock. It, it, it blows my mind. But, but I wanted to share this with you because I feel like there's, there's a moment for us. You know, there's shakings happening around the world. And 
and there's things that are shifting and, and, and some of our securities and some of our, some of our uh, plan B's in our lives are being removed. And a different take on the situation, you know, may be the fact that, that yeah, we're in a fallen world and there's issues and, and there's things are always in flux and changing. But some of it might actually be that God is answering our prayers. Just a thought, right? Has anybody in here prayed for Canada to experience revival? Few people? Anybody prayed for sons and daughters to come home? Anybody prayed for corruption to be gone in this country? For the scandals, for the, for the, for the, for the prostitution ring in the oil fields, for all the stuff that's, that's, that's been bad. Like, what if this is a season where there's an exposing of the plans of the enemy? What if... God is going to shake everything that can be shaken so that he can reveal a people that will not be shaken. What if the church is actually the hope of the earth? Like not a Christian club where we get together and rah-rah, but what if it actually is the hope of the earth? What if this shaking and shifting that some of us may be experiencing is actually the thing that's going to remind us who we are, refine who we are? It's like, I, I feel like, you know, I'm in this season right now with my wife where, you know, we just went through our house the other day and we're like on the, on the declutter train, you know, we have four kids. Anybody with me? And you just... You don't even know where you get all this crap from. You just inherit it, you know. It's like, it's just stockpiling, you know. And I'm like, can't even think straight. And so we just went on a tear through the house the other day. And um, our rule was is that my wife got to take one room that's a lot of my stuff. And I got to take one room of a lot of her stuff. And we got to throw each other's stuff away and not tell each other what we threw away. <laughs> Can you believe that? Yeah, I know. It's, that's some marital... That's some marital trust right there, right? And, uh, and, and then, of course, with the kids, we just, we just, we didn't even tell them. We're like, yep, gone, gone, gone. Um, and, and we just realized we had our life, we've just been building our life with stuff. It's just so much stuff. We can't even think straight. We can't even keep things clean. We can't even, it's just like, and, and, and in the same way spiritually, in the same way in our life, sometimes it's the kindness of God to move us into seasons where things are removed from our life. You know, it's not that God is mean. It's not that he wants us to suffer financially, but he does want to see dependence on him to become our number one thing. And some of you that are in that season, if that's what the Lord is refining in your life, it's worth what you're walking through. What good is it if man gains the whole world that loses his soul? You know, and I am, um, it's amazing, you know, how, you know, this season that we walk through and, and, you know, I remember one of the most powerful moments for me, even just from a theological standpoint, was, you know, I was standing there and I was leading worship and at this, you know, at one of, one of our secondary locations and campuses because the main one was being used as a Red Cross uh, facilitation center and all of these goods were coming in from all over the world, Samaritan's Purse and, uh, and, and Operation Blessing and all these massive organizations were pumping aid into Reading and they decided to use the church, which is so prophetic, right? You know, to use the church as the place to, to get them out. And there, there's all this stigma all the time against the church, especially in California where it can be tough, a lot more tough. I won't even go into that. And all of a sudden they got to see the church to become a resource of hope, you know. And 
Um, but there was this moment where I was up there leading worship and there was a lot of my friends there that it was basically a room of people that were homeless. They lost everything. And they had nowhere to go. And they were trying to figure out. And a lot of them were stunned. A lot of them were exhausted. A lot of them were just in trauma. A lot of, you know, and, and, and there was a room full. And we got together and we just began to worship. And, and it was one of the most powerful worship times I've ever had. Like it was just the presence of God was so tangible in our place of need. Like he rushed in. And um, one of our leaders got up there and just began to speak about how if it is not, if it's not, good yet then it's not the end and and I just begin to marinate on that like in my own life you know and and if it's not good yet it's not the end he works all things together for good like in the season of trial part of what gives us confidence to walk through and perseverance is to trust his goodness like what we're singing about today he knows the end of the story. He knows what he's doing. He knows the timeline of our history. I mean, I love, the, I love you know, the story of David, the highs and the lows. Good night. There were some low lows. I was reading this morning, you know, the story of the Amalekites and how, you know, the, the, David was off to war and the, they came in and took everything. Wives, children, decimated the town. David was hopeless. His own people wanted to stone him. Because they were mad at him. And it said, David found strength in the Lord his God. There ha we have to, in this season, my friends, build a reservoir of intimacy with the Lord. We have to find a depth in our faith. It can't just be podcasts and, and once a week sermons that we listen to to make ourselves feel better. We have to develop a secret place which we can pull water from in the seasons where it's difficult. What if the shaking seasons are an invitation to just be closer to Jesus? I want to read Hebrews chapter 11 or chapter 10. And, you know, I would just encourage you, like, man, sometimes you just need to, like, cut off the narrative of the media that's fear-mongering. And you just need to, like, take a break from this for a minute. Get your head in this for a minute. Just go old school. You know, just go old school. Get out your grandpa's Bible and crack that mug open and start reading through the letters that Paul wrote. Paul, the perpetual annoying optimist. It's like, I mean, it's like, it's like, I, I, you want to be like, Paul, dude, you're in chains. You were just beaten, you know, two lashes shy of death. You're hanging in a prison cell and you're writing about the church, how the church is overtaking the world. You know, I mean, he, his prophetic foresight to live from a, a fire hydrant of never-ending optimism. I mean, this is what we need to plug into as believers. We're not even facing anywhere near what these guys are facing. And yet, sometimes our faith is so weak. It's like we see our bank account balance drop. We see like all these other things bounce and we just wilt under the weight of that. And it's like, no, no, no. God wants to show up in our lives. He wants to show up in our lives. He wants to remove the things. You know, me and my wife, we pray this. You know, every few years, I just get this itch in me. It's like, I'm going through it right now, you know, where it's like, we just get so safe. 
We have our things and we have our things that we've created and the whole world teaches you about safety and about how to cover for yourself and how to have all these different plans and all these different things in case something follows through. And, and then it's like, but oh, I just long for the wildness of the gospel. Jesus was so savage. You know, he, he wasn't teaching his followers about their 401k strategy. Let me tell you guys, when you go out in the world, you need to make sure that you... Be, no, he was like, listen, take nothing with you. Take no money with you. Don't even take a change of clothes, says in Matthew 10. Then it, Peter, he shows up to Peter to call the disciples. He gives them the greatest financial blessing they've ever received in their whole life. They catch so much fish, they have to pull another boat over and they fill two boats and two boats are so full of fish, they're sinking. And then Jesus goes, that's pretty cool, isn't it? And they go, yeah. And he goes, ah, leave it all, follow me. Do you want the miracles or do you want the miracle worker? Do you want the blessings or do you want the man? You know, and I just, I just feel like we're in that season where Jesus is welcoming us into greater levels of friendship. We don't have to freak out when things in the oil field or the economy or whatever aren't doing what they've done before. We can actually rejoice. We can get together as believers and share hearts. Drink Tim Hortons. Stay warm. Hebrews 10, verse 23. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. He's faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together. I am a massive church guy. I get in frequent arguments with millennial deconstructionists, okay? I see the issues in the church. I've grown up in the church. My parents are ministers in the church. Everything you could think of, I've seen and experienced. It's broken people, right? But yet at the same time, the gospel is very clear. The church is the hope of the world. And it's not us meeting in a coffee shop, deconstructing everything, to try to talk about how messed up it is. It's us becoming the change that we dream of. It says, do not give up meeting together. Don't give up meeting together. It says, actually, meet together more. Meet together more. I've studied the first century church and their gatherings. You know, they didn't come together like once a week for an hour. Like, they met frequently. They worshiped a lot. They prayed a lot. And I feel like in this season, people are like, well, we don't need more events. We don't need more conferences. What if we do? I'm just proposing it. I'm not saying we have to have a big flashy conference, but what if we need more home groups? What if we need more time? What if we need to like, like love each other and go to a hockey game? Talk about Jesus and laugh with our kids. And like, what if that's sacred too? I mean, I'm not a big hockey fan, maybe football, but not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Verse 35. So do not throw away your confidence. It is so good to be nice. Canadians are so nice. We were at a four-way stop the other day, and I'm like, what is happening? <laughs> I, I, what is the problem right now? People are looking at each other. You go, you go, you go. I'm like, somebody just Go! Please, for the love, you know. 
Canadians are so sweet. They're so nice. I love, they say sorry all the time. They're amazing, right? But there is a wild confidence. It's not arrogance. It's confidence in who God is that he wants to instill in us. To where we're not always apologizing. We're not always trying to play political correctness games. We know who we are as sons and daughters of God. Our confidence isn't in our ability. It's in who he is. And there's a confidence that the Lord wants to release on the Church of Canada again. You need to persevere so that when you've done the will of God, you'll receive what he has promised. In just a little while, he who is coming will come. I was sharing in the first service how it's like, there's a lot of things in our world that are up for public debate. There's election cycles. There's public opinion. There's polls. You can put polls on Instagram. They're pretty fun. I do random ones all the time. One thing that's not up for debate is that he is coming back. He, did, he needs no one's approval for that. <laughs> He's coming back. It is going to happen. Regardless of what people say, regardless of the narrative that the world paints, Jesus is returning to a specific piece of real estate called the Mount of Olives, and he's going to walk through the Eastern Gate, and he's going to shock the world with his faithfulness and his beauty, and that is going to happen. And so what he's saying, the writer of Hebrews is saying, hey, listen, your confidence and your perseverance is rooted in the fact that God's going to do what he said he would do. And, but my righteous one will live by faith, and I take no pleasure in the one who shrinks back. So when you're at that four-way stop, Think of this. Don't shrink back, guys. <laughs> you can do it. Verse 39. <laughs> but we do not belong to those who shrink back. That's not our DNA. That's not our calling. That's not our mandate. That's not who the people of God are. We are not indecisive. We're not looking to see what's, you know, we're not gauging who we are based upon the world. We do not belong to those who are shrink back, but to those who have faith and are saved. So this morning, why don't we stand up and we can get some glory keys. I love glory keys. Just make everything so good. By the way, Joe. I think you need to pass over any reins of worship leading to your daughter. It's been a good run, man. It's been a good run. <laughs> uh, well, I'm going to ask the prayer team to come down this morning. And, and I'm, I'm just going to pray for you guys. Just, just a blessing. And then if you're here and like... And, and honestly, like I, I'm speaking from, you know, walking through this. And I've walked through... A lot more stuff than this. But for me, I feel like I just want Christians to shine bright and be joyful. You know, and I understand that, that the dynamics of the economy have severe consequences. I get it. But I also know the hope of the gospel. And I also know that God has a plan. And if it's not good yet. It's not the end yet. Hang on. Keep pressing in. Use these moments. You know, I, I, I long, part of me just longs. I had this season where I kind of long, I'm not going to lie, I, I miss this season so much where me and my wife, we left everything and we hopped in our Toyota Camry and 
we left our jobs and our house and we left the white picket fence and the whole thing and we just following after God. We, it, we had no idea what we were doing. We were kids, 23 and 21. We had a heart that was on fire. We had no plan Bs. It was the stupidest thing we could ever do done. We both had college degrees. It was like, make something to yourself. This is America. Get a degree, make something to yourself, build something, you know? We had done all that, but then we came to the place where it was just like, oh, we just want to live the gospel. And and I'll never forget, you know, when we left everything, we, we were so dependent. Like we didn't know how we were going to get gas in our car. We didn't know where we were going to spend the night. We just went from little town to little town, hosting worship and prayer nights to anybody that would come. And we prayed that somebody there had an extra room in their house maybe. Or that somebody could give a little gas money. We didn't know how to take offerings. We didn't have a funding strategy. We didn't have a nonprofit. We didn't have a website, you know. But there was so much dependency in those days in our life. It was like we were hanging on every word that God said. And there's an element of my heart that misses that season. And some of you might be in that season. And I'm just telling you this morning, that is a blessing to be there. That is such a blessing to be in that season. You are going to receive so much more than you can ever imagine as you walk through that with the Lord. So Lord, I just thank you for C3 West Calgary minus 48 frozen chosen. I just pray this morning, Lord, that you would infuse our lives with faith fortitude and perseverance. I pray, God, that this would be a season of divine intimacy over every person here. Lord, that they would not just sing the songs as Christian rhetoric, but Lord, that they would actually become the songs. That as some, so many in this room, as they walk through seasons of fire or seasons of shaking, Lord, that you would show yourself strong just like you've done throughout the ages. Thank you for the privilege, for giving us the privilege of following you, Jesus, and being a community that pursues your heart. If you're here this morning and you want prayer and you want ministry, please come down front. We're more than willing to lay hands to pray just that God would seal everything that's been spoken. And let's give Sean a big... Calgary, thank you. Thanks, buddy. Thanks for listening. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast and check out our website at myc3church.ca. See you next week.